Welcome to the Scuffed Podcast. I'm Adam Bells in Georgia. With me is Greg Velasquez in Iowa. We talk about U.S. men's soccer. Thanks for downloading this episode of Scuffed. Thanks especially to our patrons. This month of plenty continues full speed ahead with the Olympic qualifying opener against Costa Rica on Thursday evening. We're recording on Tuesday. But first, let's talk about the senior camp roster, which should be announced in the coming days. Hey, Greg. How are you, Bells? Pretty good, pretty good. A lot going on in the U.S. Men's National Team Extended Universe these days. Why don't you give us a, a rundown? All right. So Brian Reynolds, uh, as you probably saw with a momentous, if unspectacular, debut for AS Roma. Uh, Daryl DK linked to a top six EPL team, uh, complete with a rejected eight-figure offer by Orlando Hold City. on a second. Hold on a second. Do you really believe that? <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, you do? You believe a, a top six EPL team offered money for him? Yeah, it's not crazy. And ten million dollars for a striker is at, at that range at that level is is I guess what you'd almost call like a speculative offer. You know, this is not this isn't two thousand ten yeah. when ten million was a ton of money. I mean, this is post Manchester City's uh oil boom, so that's that's kinda nickel and diming for a top six team. Right. So then he could I mean he would, could conceivably go into a loan army with that. Yeah, yeah, like that, you're not you're not yeah. necessary. If you're paying ten million dollars for a guy, you that's not a guy you're like this. This player will win us the league, right? You're not spending win the league money at ten million. Okay, well, pardon the interruption. On <laughs> on we go. On we go. Odd favorite Jose Gallegos uh, heading to Bayern Munich for a two week trial and a move that seems engineered to make us in particular pay attention to him. Yeah, yeah, he had sort of fallen off fallen off a little bit in my estimation thanks to you know the sort of lack of production in the uh stunted usl season i know you don't i know you don't even like you don't even like that terminology i see (laughs) i see you grimacing over there uh but you know we have hype i have hyped him a lot yeah in the last year and and we'll just have to see if you know it's not like a trial comes with literally any strings uh attached so um hopefully he just enjoys his time at, at munich yeah yeah, and and maybe you know maybe there's other clubs interested too. You never know. Yeah, ends up in Austria. Let's see what else. What else? What else? Uh, ah, that's right. Yunus Musa announced his commitment to play his international uh, soccer for the United States of America. Seems like yeah. a seems like a big deal for the week. Definitely the biggest headline of the week. Um, glad to see it. Glad to see it. Musa's a instant contributor, obviously. Yeah, and it it I'm happy because it eliminates a wrinkle from our. Uh, projection of this roster going into the march camp uh england was going to have u21 euro qualifiers i believe along with a triple world cup qualifying window uh so there were a lot of england games to fill roster spots for uh and uh there was no telling where musa musa's name was going to appear going into the yeah well he didn't uh land on that u21 roster right he didn't make it well maybe he didn't make it maybe they didn't call him up because he communicated that he was uh, you know, full Very blown, possible. full blown U.S. men's national team pool player. There's a there's a rationale for him not making it on the merits too, though. I think I've I've seen I've seen that case made, and it seems pretty strong. <laughs> which which also lends a little bit of support for the decision to choose the United States uh, get yeah. get himself some World Cup minutes in 2022. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer about it. I'm I'm not complaining. I'm glad. I'm <laughs> I, I am. Uh, Within me resides unmitigated joy. <laughs> I think it's just your way of saying England, very good at soccer. <laughs> right. Yeah, so uh, very solid uh, news cycle. Do, uh, do you want to take a second to take a victory lap on fruit baskets or <laughs> or no? I, I personally did not send him any fruit baskets, uh, but it appears that U.S. soccer was uh, working very hard on its on its fruit selection, its fruit delivery system. Uh no, we, the, there was a really good ESPN article uh, that detailed the process, uh, the recruitment, the courting of Yunus Musa, uh, and apparently it started back in the summer of 2019 when Valencia alerted um, the U.S. that he had an, uh, an American passport, at which point we contacted him. Keep in mind, this is a full year out from his first senior team minutes at the club level. Um, so all, everyone who's saying, why would we bother contacting guys who haven't even played, 
senior team minutes. This is why. This is why you do that. You build relationships. We were apparently in contact with him. Uh, Greg Berhalter called him, and then we had an assistant coach. Was it uh, Nico? We had an assistant coach. Mm, Romaine. <laughs> you mean the the guy the guy in, the guy who used to be or maybe still is? No, one of, of our one of our assistant coach. I'll have to I'll have to go back now and, and okay. get the because it was a former Valencia coach. Uh, who's oh, now okay. working at USSF. So anyway, he was in contact with him like every couple of weeks uh, up to like texting him every other day. Uh, and it's it's just, again, so funny because uh, so much of the like party line back then when we were begging for, for this kind of communication was that like, well, we called him up to the last camp. What else do you want us to do? And it's like, I don't know if only there were some easy way to communicate with people in the 21st century. Uh, but very much the case that we were on him for for a long time and again it's not cynical it's not it doesn't have to be like a high press high pitch timeshare sales stuff just build relationships and maintain them like this is human yeah. very human stuff uh help kids through these yeah, processes totally. of you know the early days of their club careers and if he chooses another team or if he ends up not being very good oh well we've we've helped another human being out <laughs> yeah and i think it's fair to say that the the opposite perspective was best articulated by Brian Sharetta, who, you know, didn't, who a one-time guest on this podcast, who didn't think, you know, who didn't think it was important to do any courting. Like people in his view, and I think he's not the only one who has this view, uh, dual nationals can just, should just be sort of left to choose who they want to choose. And any suggestion that there should be some sort of courting is, I don't know, sort of effeminate nonsense or something, you know? <laughs> Right, I don't that's, even. It, it didn't even. Oh, go ahead. Well, I'm just trying to characterize the debate, which I, I th which I'm, which I am saying you have won at this point. <laughs> well, I don't know if I've if I've won it. I, it feels like U.S. soccer did not did not sort of take the view that that kind of communication is is wasted or pointless. Uh, and, and I think my read on Shreda's angle was was not necessarily that we shouldn't do it. It was that it won't make a difference. It's that this decision is so deeply seated in people. Uh, that a couple of phone calls or text messages can't possibly influence their decision. When again, it's just about the relationship. They how how strong of a connection they feel to your program uh, is affected by how your program behaves to the player. So it's not some kind of a like independent. There's just an abstract relationship with a country like our federation, yeah. for all intents and purposes, is that is a big part of that relationship that people feel to a country. So. Uh, I'm very glad that U.S. soccer seems to be doing an excellent job um, of, of taking these relationships seriously and maintaining them. And, and for all I know, it's it's happening with all players, not just dual nationals, which would also be a very good step. Yeah. Yeah. When you talk about that abstract relationship to a country, it's like, what else? I mean, if, if you're not looking at the relationships with the players and the coaches in the program, what are you <laughs> thinking about? You know, tax policy? <laughs> What's your what's your deforestation stance? Uh, <laughs> right. What are your cultural mores around water <laughs> restoration? <laughs> Eunice Moose is just watching C-SPAN nonstop. Uh, you know they make yeah. they make some good points. I'm sold. <laughs> yeah, not a big Mitch McC McConnell fan, I hear, but you know he does he does appreciate the the workings of the Senate. <laughs> All right, um, so there we go. We've got we've got Eunice Musa on board. Still not still yeah. not technically official, <laughs> right? I mean, he has to he still has to be cap tied, but um, it's pretty official. Seems it. Let's go to the roster, shall we? Yeah, we're we're hoping to hear the roster. Maybe even Wednesday, as early as Wednesday. I think I think I saw something that at the earliest it would be Wednesday. Um. Can, can I just sort of say right away that the top half of the roster more or less picks itself, assuming everyone is available? Yeah, you want you want me to read that off real yeah, let's quick? Just, so let's just run through it, and I don't think we'll get too much pushback on the names listed here. Yeah, goalkeeper Zach Steffen, a back line of Anthony Robinson, John Brooks, Chris Richards, and Serginio Dest. Um. In the midfield, Adams, McKenney, and Musa, and then you've got wingers Pulisic, Reyna, and Wea, and Sargent at striker. 
Yeah, and, I'm, and, and I don't think we're saying necessarily this will be the starting 11 because obviously there's 12 people with the three wingers listed. Um, yeah. But I think I think every, I think we can be very confident that these players are, are on the roster. And and yes, I'm including Chris Richards on that list at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think Richards should be the number two center back at this point. Fingers crossed. Uh, but the backups, the backups is where things get interesting um, because these games that we're playing are, are just three days apart. Uh, remember, the Northern Ireland game was scheduled right in the middle of the window because Northern Ireland uh, has a World Cup qualifier on either side of our game against them. Uh, mm-hmm. So we had to get that game in the middle, which means that one of our games is going to I mean, so that means that we had to go either before or after it. And regardless, it was going to be a really tight turnaround. Uh, and I would say the turnaround is tight enough for a couple of friendlies that really I'm ex- I'm expecting uh, a ten man switch from from game one to game two. I'd be surprised if anyone other than Stefan and maybe a center back doubles up, but but I wouldn't even want him to. I wouldn't want Chris Richards to start two games, even though I really want Chris Richards to get a lot of U.S. men's national team minutes as quickly as he can. Yeah. How about you? Do you do you think it'd be an issue? Like I'm just talking biology here. Uh, mm, we're in a, yeah, we're, not my strong suit. <laughs> we're in this. Really, yeah, I know you're much better at maritime law, but we've got this. We've got this crunch of games already for an entire season. I feel like the last thing we want to do is push the envelope in a couple of friendlies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess I could see somebody coming off in around the hour mark and then starting the next game, but by and large. And yeah, it makes it makes a lot of sense to do a complete line change. It'll be a little disappointing because I think maybe this is the the point in the podcast where I make this point. I the sort of the overarching question for me is not like who gets picked. I I, I mean we'll get into some of the debatable picks and what we'd like to see. It's not that's not so crucial to me at this point as it is as as is the need for Greg Berhalter to bring this team together in like on the field in a way that shows that they're that they're ready to they're ready to do battle as a unit and um i mean it's kind of we're talking about the same thing with the olympic qualifying roster last week but even more so for this group it's uh we're what two years into the berhalter experiment and (laughs) i don't think we've changed and and covid's a big caveat so you know that's really thrown a wrench in things no doubt but we I don't think outside of that first 15 minutes against Jamaica at the Gold Cup and maybe the game against the second game against Canada in Nations League you know and you could argue that those were good performances but even those I, I, we haven't seen sort of a comprehensive US men's national team game and uh we we we've seen a lot of confusion we haven't we have seen that there are ideas or we've heard that there are ideas and there are big ideas but it's just hard to see that translating on the field so far and that's what i really really want to see in this window and if we only you know if we if we do a complete line change from game to game that that does limit the chances of that <laughs> sort of developing Maybe, maybe I, I'm going to say, uh, I, I think you might be disappointed if, if, if you're wanting to see that, I, I don't know that we're going to see that comprehensive, like front to back, all thing, everything clicking. Um, and I'm not, I'm not necessarily holding that up as the measure of success. I'm hoping that we see, uh, you know, l- incremental improvement and, and I'm, I'm going from like the Wales game is the last real like game against a real team. Uh, yeah. so, you know, we, we had m- a good deal of control of the game and the game flow. Not that we were uh, imposing ourselves on Wales. I mean, Wales kind of just allowed us to have that yeah. control of the tempo. Um, so I think the next step incrementally would be, can we, you know, essentially can we create chances out of that? And can we get a couple of glimpses of that, of that sort of, of our ideas and our, and our execution in the last 25 to 30 yards of the field? That's really what I'm going to be looking for. Uh, and, and also, how do we deal with uh, a little bit more dangerous uh, of an attacking line when I'm talking about Jamaica specifically? Jamaica's mm-hmm. going to have better attackers than Wales did. Uh, we were playing Wales with re- reserves. Jamaica, assuming we get their you know full strength team, they will have players who can really hurt us uh, if we're if we're not taking care of ourselves. Yep. 
Yeah, I uh, calling for a comprehensive performance was a slip of the tongue. That's not really what we. That's not really what I'm asking for. I'm I'm asking for in, incremental improvement and a sense that the that the ideas are starting to be clear in the heads of the players and and allow them to act freely on the field. So yeah. All right. Yeah, so we'll I've, take we'll take incremental progress this week this month, and then by June, flawless. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, then the Gold Cup is another chance. You know, Nations League and the Gold Cup are are more chances to s- sort of fine tune what Beralter is trying to accomplish. So yeah, let's talk about the backups on this roster. We we talked about the the likely starters in that first game: Stefan Robinson, Brooks, Richards, Dest, Adams, McKenney, Musa, Pulisic, one of Reina and Wea or Wea, and then Sargent. I think. No, that, I mean, that's about right, right? Yeah, it's going to be something like that. <laughs> All right, so let, let's talk about our backup goalkeeper. Uh, Ethan Horvath is about the only other professional goalkeeper out there uh, in like a senior team setting um, in Europe. And, and again, I'm, we're also, I think, working under the assumption that this is going to be European-based players. I don't think uh, we're going to see MLS guys making the trip over. Yeah, Ger- well, Germany's requiring a 14-day quarantine for players returning from international duty in most countries, most countries. So I can't even imagine what the what kind of quarantine they'd, they'd impose on a player who came into contact with somebody from the U.S. <laughs> from U.S. So they'd probably be like, you, you're done for the season. <laughs> uh, but, but we're, I mean, spe- and speaking of this, Ethan Horvath is uh, coming back from a positive COVID test. So he just finally made the bench yesterday uh, for the first time in a couple of weeks because he had COVID. So hopefully he's recovered well. Um, I, I, I'm assuming he'll be the backup and then we'll, we'll the last spot will just be, uh, one of our youth team bodies. So, uh, we've got Odunze here. Does that sound about right? Yeah. Odunze sort of has, seems like he's come up a lot in the whole Yunus Musa, um, story. They, they must be in some kind of contact with each other, okay. roughly the same age. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I would think Odunze would get in, in on this camp. But I, I think Stefan starts both games. Uh, he should. I think we're expecting him to play in the weekend leading up to the game in the FA Cup. He's been getting FA Cup starts uh, for Manchester City, so he'll get a nice he'll get a nice run out there, and then hopefully he'll just play back to back games, and then he'll resume his spot as uh, Ederson's backup. Yep. How about uh, left back? This is where this is where it's pretty interesting. I think. Yeah. So it gets a bit complicated if we want to call it that. Uh, so assuming that we, we do transfer everyone out, uh, from one game to the next, we don't have any other left backs to choose from other than Robinson. So if we start Robinson and Dest versus Jamaica, there's, there's no other left back to play. We'll have to either, uh, play a guy out of position like Cannon or Yedlin at left back in the second game. Um, or if Dest is, uh, actually Berhalter's preferred starting left back, um, then he could start there against Jamaica and we run whoever Berhalter's preferred right back is in that game. And then there's no problem. Robinson plays against Northern Ireland. Um, maybe Robinson's preferred, but Berhalter chooses to start Dest on the left anyway to avoid this situation. Uh, or we do bring a guy from MLS just to fill out the spot, but that seems unlikely. So how do you think we're solving this, Bells? I would solve it by starting Dest at left back and probably Cannon at right back against against Jamaica and then start Robinson at left back against Northern Ireland. And um, maybe, you know, you could go with Yedlin or maybe even Brian Reynolds in that game at right back. All right. All right. I, my, I mean, my hope is that he, he runs his preferred group out there, whatever. So if his preferred group is Robinson at left back, uh, Dest at right back, that we go that route and then, and then just solve it for Northern Ireland. Uh, you know, as Klinsman famously said, anybody can play left back. That's, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, Cannon can could Cannon be the left back in that game? I guess. I mean, it's I a so. it's a nothing ninety minutes. So the answer is yes. He totally could. He could babysit yeah. that position for ninety minutes. Or you know, I guess we could bring in. I mean, there really isn't anyone else, right? We're talking like a couple, maybe a two Bundesliga guy, and is it Leon Flack that's over there in Saint Pauli? Yeah, I mean, we could we could call up uh, Kobe Hernandez Foster. <laughs> So yeah, that, that's no. what I mean. It's it's there's it doesn't seem like there's any other choice. So uh, that's what we're looking at, and that's why it's interesting. Yeah, I guess I wouldn't be ha- I wouldn't be unhappy with either one. It just seems like um, if we want to do if we want to make 
a cohesive performance against Northern Ireland. It's better to better to have Robinson play left back in that game than to have Cannon play left back in that game. But Tim yeah, Ream, actually, that's it. We just saw it with Tim Ream. Tim Ream comes in and plays left back. I don't. I, that actually did just occur to me. I don't know why. Yeah, I guess that could work, and then we then we do the whole um, stay at home left back. No, 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 Bells. We're not com- compromising there. Tim Ream flying up and down the sideline. <laughs> All right. So there's a. I I guess one thing I wanted to say about Robinson is he. It's not. He's not been dropped. I mean, I think it's too early to say that from the starting lineup for Fulham, but he did come off the bench in their last two matches against Liverpool and Man City. I don't think he had a bad game in the 1-0 loss to Tottenham. Did you watch any of the footage from that? No, I haven't checked up on Robinson. I just, that was the last like he's, one. He's, he's secure enough in his uh, spot on the 23 that I'm, I'm not investing enough time on him. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. He, he, that was the last game he started. I thought some typical sort of agent chaos type stuff at the back. I mean, he body language forget about body language it's not even body language um there's definitely some chaos around him in possession but also some chaos going forward as we've said many times i mean he he had some vintage rambles up the wing in that game really creates some danger uh it'll just be interesting to see how Berhalter uses him you know it'll be interesting to see like you said if he is the preferred starting left back because then you would hopefully start against jamaica and um even if he's not exactly what Berhalter wants from that position, he is the kind of player Berhalter has to figure out how to use uh, in some way. Yeah, and I think I think that's a good way of putting it. And that's that's going to be one of those, in, unless Berhalter sort of tips his hand in press conferences ahead of time, uh, it'll be one where like when the lineup reveal comes out that Thursday, uh, that'll be like, I think, the one of the big questions that gets answered. Mm-hmm. All right, right back. Yeah, we got Yedlin, Cannon, and Reynolds. You good with all three of those guys going to backup Dest? Yeah, I mean, I'd be good with even more. There's no limit on the number of players <laughs> we can send to this to this uh, window, right? Uh, yeah, I don't think so. Who else? What, you, you want Joe Scally there? Shaq Moore, baby. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes. Reynolds, Reynolds might be the reach, right? But uh, and I don't know when we're talking about that, um, you know, that possible Jamaica rotation where if he starts Dest over there, I don't know who he would start between Yedlin and Cannon. I feel like it would be one of those two guys, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and then Shaq Moore, you know, Shaq Moore can deputize at left back. We've seen him do mm-hmm. that, both for club and country. I think. And I thought, yeah, he has he has some minutes out there. Does he? Yeah. So the I thought I thought Reynolds. You mentioned his debut for AS Roma at the top of the show, which is huge deal. It's really cool. But he did look lost out there in um in what was a tough situation, down two goals to Parma trying to get trying to get back into the game for the last half hour. But he didn't do it I don't think he did anything positive. Um he didn't do anything terribly negative either. He just didn't look like he was keyed in. And um I I say that not to just like pile on and criticize the young guy, but just to say, you know, maybe it's best for him to stay in Roma and and sort of sort out his role there and his situation at a at a time. You know, like as some people said on Twitter, the 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 window, f- what is it? The margin for error at a club like that is so small. He can't, you know, he can't he can't mess around. And I don't know that he's sure. I don't know that he's like a huge need right now in the national team. So let him uh, let him stay in the city of Seven Hills. <laughs> so kind of kind of like what Chris Richards did at the at November camp. Like I wouldn't mind Reynolds coming into this camp, even if there's no real expectation that he'll play. I know Richards got in for like 10 minutes against uh, Panama, um, but there were a lot of people upset. Why isn't Chris Richards starting? Why? I think these it's good to get a camp like this in where you're just kind of walking through the steps, even even the background stuff, the you know, the, the hotel check-in, team check-in, team meals, like just the, just go through that stuff once. Job shadow uh, the guys ahead of you um, and then go back home. And then the next time you go in, you're more comfortable and you can and you can focus a little bit more on just playing soccer. Uh, so I'm kind of hoping that we do a little bit of a compromise where he comes in for, he goes to Austria for uh, the build-up to the Jamaica game. And then after that, just fly him home. Uh, let him let him get resettled in with Roma so he can prepare for whatever they're doing uh, in the weekend after. Sounds good to me. Yeah, that, that's my super specific hope for our our right back situation. 
hard to imagine Yedlin not being in the camp. I mean, it, it sure seems like he'll get called up. And then uh, Cannon seems like a lock to me. Yeah, that's what I'd say too. I think Cannon will be there. I, I'm pretty, I'm almost certain Cannon will be there, but like it wouldn't surprise me at all if Yedlin, who are not certain will be there, starts ahead of him. Yeah, that's true too. All right, uh, center backs. Uh, uh, this is, I think this is going to be another interesting one because I, again, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that Chris Richards goes and starts, but like maybe, maybe not. <laughs> maybe one of these other guys is on that 11 instead. Yeah. There's the, the argument that Berhalter's going to go with experience here, uh, over youth on that, in that right center back spot. So that would be, you know, Matt Miazga, I guess, if you're going to go with experience. Like I said on Twitter the other day, I, I think Rich is a perfect compliment to Brooks. He, he does all the things well that Brooks doesn't do so well. Defends well 1v1, really responsible and alert and intelligent defensively. Um, he's even a pretty decent distributor at this point, it looks like, for Hoffenheim. But that's not that's not why he compliments Brooks. So I, I think I think we I would love to see that. May not. Yeah, and and I think he I think he he could es- essentially also be Brooks's backup, where if something happens to Brooks, then Richards actually slides over to the left center back spot, and uh, Berhalter starts his next preferred right center back. So it could be a situation just like left back, right back, that we just carry Brooks as the nominal left back, and then three uh, more more like uh, traditional right center backs. Um, and and so that's where that's where these call ups are going to be interesting. Uh, the guy I have on there that I'm actually really hoping gets a call up is CCV. Uh, interesting. I've been I've been checking him out for Bournemouth after every after every round of games. Uh, he's solid. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes, which is not something uh, that can really be said for McKenzie or Miazga or Tim Ream at least back when Tim Ream was playing. Um, and it was kind of fun, like watching DK's highlights or clips from last weekend. He was up against CCV a lot. Uh, and it was very much some grown man soccer. <laughs> uh, like these guys were smashing shoulders and CCV can, can, I mean, when DK puts his shoulder into somebody, there aren't too many guys that can stay on their feet and CCV just kind of like absorbs it. Like, like it was any other forward bumping into him. So, uh, it was cool to see. I know the, the highlight that kind of was getting a lot of play was the DK sliding challenge that one of them a throw in and everyone was making a big deal about that. But uh, I mean, that's, they were all kind of nothing situations, but CCV held his own in a big way. Yeah, it made that one clip made it look like uh, DK was just manhandling CCV the whole whole time, or that was the, that was the takeaway I took from it. So this is not true. It's not true. It was CCV very much holding his own against DK. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, he didn't really get the best of him. I mean, again, that's one where he just DK actually kind of cleverly slid in and, and won a throw in, uh, but most of the time they were upright, like, and it was a it was a bit of a stalemate and. Uh, again, just something where if CCV can hold his own against DK, he's going to hold his own against a lot of powerful forwards. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I mean, and there's no reason CCV can't be that right center back uh, the way Aaron Long is. You know, is he is CCV a magnificent distributor from the back? No, but neither is Aaron Long or any of any of the other options at right center back. Really, right. And, and again, that that. The fact that he doesn't make a lot of mistakes, he doesn't get like little brothered, which is my a license coaching term that I'm going to start throwing around all the time. Uh, I, th- I th- like for me that stuff does matter, especially when again we aren't swimming in in defenders who can both hold their own defensively and uh, you know ping a line breaking pass. So I'm really hoping to see CCV get uh, a look, and I would actually love it if it goes. Richard starts game one. CCV starts against Northern Ireland. Yeah. And then you could get McKenzie in as the sort of the John Brooks replacement, or you know, if you're a super boring person, Tim Ream. <laughs> but yeah, McKenzie's having a McKenzie's having to work through some stuff over in Belgium. Yeah, he's hit a bit of a rough, rough patch, and um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What, has he has he been on the bench the last two games? Is that right? Uh, the last four games, Bells oh four straight. Oh I think. Boy. Uh. And he's he's gotten off the bench. He got off the bench like for stoppage time uh, at the start of this run of games of not starting, uh, and then he just got off the bench over the weekend. Uh, but it's because their starting center back got sent off, so they brought him in or dropped somebody else off the field. Um, it's it's strange. Gank went to a, a four man back line. They'd been running three center backs. Uh, they switched to a four back system, and uh, McKenzie seems to be the odd man out. But it's kind of interesting because. 
one of their center backs is just now slotting in as a right back. So they're still playing all three of their nominal center backs every game. So my hope was that McKenzie would still rotate in with those uh, other two, but they haven't been doing that. They've just, they've just been running on, running on their uh, Colombian trio of center backs. Well, you should check out, regardless, you should check out uh, McKenzie's podcast, Orange Slices. They get all the interviews with players. He's Mark's <laughs> buddies with all of them. Um. It's awesome. I, I, I just found out it existed after the Tim Weah interview because I basically have a Google uh, alert for any time Tim Weah's name shows up in print. Uh, and it was fantastic. And so then I went back and listened to the other episodes, and it's great. Yeah, it's good. Uh, it's Mc- Mackenzie and Heath Pierce, right? Yeah, some good production value, much better than this podcast by far. <laughs> and um, and yeah, it's it's just seems like good conversations. That the interviews, the interview lineup is kind of remarkable. I think they just had Eddie Pope. They're just they're going through the a lot of it's Stefan, famous people. Zach Stefan. Yeah, if you can only listen to one podcast uh, a week, you should definitely listen to Orange Slices. Well, if you whoa, can whoa, listen whoa, to whoa, two, whoa, whoa. sneak easy, sneak us in there. Easy, easy, easy. <laughs> Um, okay. And then, and then Reem not playing for Fulham. Continues. And Miazga, what should we say anything about Miazga? He's had a, he's had a rough patch too. He had a pretty atrocious own goal over the weekend. You in that game against Gank. Yeah. So that lost them the semifinal. Uh, and he, he, he has mistakes like not necessarily that drastic, but he makes the last time they played Genk, he probably had a, a worse mistake that led to a breakaway that Genk scored on. Um, Anderlecht came back and won the game. But yeah, he, he does, he's not somebody who's like a, a lock. He doesn't come off to me as like a lockdown defender that you just don't need to worry about when you put him in the game. And his distribution isn't excellent. You know, you go through his clips and you're not going to find uh, more than a handful of line-breaking passes, if that. Yeah. He's a fighter. You know, you got to give that to him. And good in the air. So is CCV. We'll see. We'll see. Let's go to the center mids, should we? Well, let's actually come back. Come back to that one. I'm skipping center mids. I'm, I'm pulling a page out of your book, and we're going to go willy nilly <laughs> through the through the formation here. Uh, Who's going to be? I want to go to wingers first. <laughs> I want to. I want to do the wingers first. If you'll allow, I'll it. allow it. All right, because for me, two guys who might show up in the center mid discussion actually fit best in our system as wingers, and that's going to be uh, my guy Dwayne Holmes and your guy Brendan Aronson. My guy, <laughs> your your guy Brendan Aronson. So uh, Aronson's only played center mid for us so far um, in that sort of dual eight role, but at Salzburg he basically plays as a left sided midfielder who's constantly flowing into the middle of the field, but he's in a much, he's in a higher attacking line than he would play for us. And, and their lines basically match up with what we do, Salzburg's and Berhalter's, where Salzburg have two sort of tempo-dictating center mids. Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, their tempo is just like full speed ahead. Uh, it's fun to watch. But, but Aronson is not one of those guys for them, and I don't think he's great at that position for us either. I think he would be much better suited for that left-sided winger who tucks into the left half, left half space in possession and presses as part of a front three. So we sit Pulisic? Because he's not, because he's not getting very many first team minutes. We, yes, yep. I mean, he's, his form, his form's just terrible right now. And Aaronson's scoring goals, so you can't really argue with form. Uh, no, we sit Pulisic against Northern Ireland, so it, it works perfectly. Unless Aaronson loses out to Dwayne Holmes uh, at that left sided winger position, which is also where I'd like to see him run out. Do you think it has to be a, for Aaronson? It has to be on the left side, like he's not as good on the right side as a right sided tucked in winger. Uh, my sense is is essentially yes. He's much. He's going to be much better tucked in on the left side than on the right side. Okay. How about you? Do you have a? Do you? Are you? you no, gotta... I don't have a strong feeling about his effectiveness in that role. I just like conceptually like the idea of him on the right side, uh, combining no, with right. combining with Dest. Ah. Because yeah, you mentioned that. So go ahead. Well, go ahead. no, I yeah, you mentioned it and you shot me down. I mentioned it and you shot me down. <laughs> but but what what I like about that is that is I mean Aronson whatever you think of him as a player, he loves to combine. He loves to combine. That's what he wants. And he, yep. And he loves to move off the ball and, you know, and he d- likes to do it with some panache. So you, I, it just seems like a nice, uh, a nice pairing. He on the right side and then Dest overlapping and, and combining with him up that wing. It seems like it would work pretty well. 
they would both enjoy themselves and and do some stuff that's easy on the eyes. <laughs> I, don't, I don't disagree at all. I think uh, he does love to combine. He does move really well off the ball. I think these are also traits that Dwayne Holmes shares with him. So we're I'm just kind of folding him back into the discussion. Uh, I think where Aronson's value, and, and it'll be the same with Holmes, I think where they're going to be super valuable is their ability to combine with that that uh, next layer, next level, that next line of players, the the center mids, the dual eights, and them pinging balls into Aronson and then running off of him. Um, the same way I'm expecting people to do off of Sargent and whoever we play it, like the false nine. I know it's not technically a false nine, but it's shorthand. All these names of positions are shorthand, uh, so you know what I'm talking about. Um, but he's so good at that with Salzburg, and Salzburg do it so well, and they're so committed to hitting a ball into a, a guy, like a target with his back to goal, whichever line, and just having players you know, race past him. And I think we saw shades of that in the Wales friendly with McKenney, Musa, and Adams all being willing to race past uh, a ball that got hit into a target's feet. And I think Aronson is really well suited for that. So I, I, uh, you're talking about him combining with Dest. I think Dest will essentially already be on his line, not that he can't combine with him. But I'm really excited to see that combination taking place with our central midfield trio. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Holmes Holmes does such a good job with the two. I think a big difference for me between those two is Aronson actually does get little brothered quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, where, you know, a little sho- he's a bit wispy, you know, a little, a little bit of like a forearm shove, like just sends him three steps yep. in the direction you want him to go. Uh, Holmes is like the opposite. Holmes is like Johnny Leverage. So uh, <laughs> Johnny he's Leverage. just got such a good like body control. And we have a few guys like that. Again, I've, I've said Tyler Boyd's actually another one kind of like that. But it's so hard to like move him off of where he wants to go. And he can actually really exploit uh, other players who've used their leverage poorly to, to weasel past them or to uh, essentially sucker them into things where they've compromised their leverage and then play a pass and then burst past them. Uh so, yeah, so that's just my, my way of fitting the, the Dwayne Holmes analysis in with the Brendan Aronson analysis. Very good, very good. So I guess the you're thinking both of these guys have a chance to play against Northern Ireland, but not against Jamaica? Uh, I mean, they could come off the bench against Jamaica. I don't see either one of them. I don't see either one of them starting against Jamaica, barring barring a lot of like unexpected injuries or uh, COVID protocols. Yeah. So you think either of these is starting? No, probably not. I mean, I w- it wouldn't surprise me tar- terribly if Dwayne Holmes isn't called up. I'd be, I'd be sad, uh, but I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he's not called up. I guess the question is then, who does start? Maybe we can get to that at the end of the show. Who does start <laughs> against Jamaica? Um, oh yeah, because I guess we're talking about wingers. We listed three in the for sure getting called up, but I don't know which of the uh, Wea Reina. Uh, duo starts against Jamaica. I'm not sure, and I don't really, I don't really care. Yeah, I care. I think it should be Wea. <laughs> and I think, you know, if you put a gun to my head and nobody is, but I can imagine that it's happening. Um, I would say I'd rather see Aronson start than Reyna. Like I just don't see Reyna. I just don't see Reyna like combining in that tucked in role very well. At all, I, I I don't I don't know. I mean, there are people who think he can do that stuff. I don't know what they're basing that on. He he doesn't seem to do like the lightning quick combination stuff. Is that kind of is that kind of what yeah. you're talking about? Or am I okay? The ping 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 stuff and right. I mean, never. He's deliberate. He's very deliberate. Oh, he glides and he deliberate, eases. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll have to see if if he uses that. Uh, deliberateness uh, effectively in whichever game he plays in. I'm fully expecting him to get, you know, at least 75, 80 minutes between the two games. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, you know, we've now talked about five wingers. If, if Holmes and Aronson, you know, are considered wingers and, and there's no guarantee that they will be. Uh, Ariola, Paul Ariola at Swansea injured for the past few games. Um, and I saw a report that he's expected to be injured for another couple of weeks, uh, which puts his inclusion in jeopardy. Yeah. Heavy doubt. Um, yeah, so so after Pulisic, Reina, and Wea, if Ariola's out and no, and Aronson and Holmes aren't thought of as wingers, then we're we're talking like Conrad maybe or Tyler Boyd. I guess. I mean, we're expect, isn't we're this where you Efra talk to about Kenny senior team? <laughs> isn't it? Isn't this where you talk about Kenny? Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. Fingers crossed. Uh, I mean, if. If we're looking for somebody to fill in that right wing spot, 
Kenny Seth's the guy. Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting. I'll, I'll give up I'll give up on him after the Gold Cup if he hasn't played. Okay. Right. I mean, I feel like I've said this already four times, but it'll just be interesting to see, you know, what Berhalter has in mind here. Um I, I kind of doubt we're gonna see Conrad. Definitely not gonna see Ephra. Um Boyd and Saif. I mean, I, I guess just because I spend some time with you, I would r- rather it be Saif. <laughs> Seth. Saif. All right. So, so there's our winger situation. So now let's let's backfill our center mids because uh, we have to have we have to have three more center mids because we can't start McKenney and Musa and Adams in in both games. So we need three more to play. Mm-hmm. Who do we got? Well, one of the what, what if whichever of Holmes and Aronson doesn't play on the wing, I guess stealing an idea from you. <laughs> that makes sense to me. Who else? I mean, Julian Green has been out with COVID uh, for several weeks now, and I don't know what his availability will be or if or if he's rated. Uh, Alfredo Morales, who has been capped by Burhalter, um, hasn't been playing for Fortuna Dusseldorf in the two Bundesliga. He's been uh, he. Fell out of the lineup, and then he was not in the squad at all uh, in their last match. And I don't know if there's an injury because it's it can be hard to get injury information from uh, lower division teams, or if he just isn't rated and he's thirty, and they they're you know thinking it's about time to move on, uh, which we could be I'm, in the I'm same recording. boat for a game like this. Just give me twenty minutes. Sorry, can you say that last part again? Yeah, so uh, Morales hasn't been playing. Uh, he's been dropped from the squad, and I don't know if that's because he's injured. Injury news can be a little bit hard to come by for lower division teams. Uh, it could just be that he's he's thirty and not in, an incredibly uh, elite player, yeah. I guess we would say. Uh, and they could just be moving on, which is a situation we could be in, um, given the sort of uh, stakes of these games. These aren't terribly important games. Um, who else do we have out there? We've got Ko, who's been in camps before, but uh, this would be more than just calling him in through a camp. This would be calling him in and being like, "You're starting in the second game." <laughs> right. Otherwise, otherwise, we do have a couple other names though who are who are I don't want to say obscure. I feel like they're getting they're getting a little bit of recognition. But like uh, Luca De La Torre is playing every game in the Eredivisie, and he's playing as a center midfielder, so he would make sense as a body. It'd be a chance to take a look at a guy. He's Olympic eligible. Um, it's just again we're we're talking about we'd be introducing it'd be some debuts some senior team debuts, mm-hmm. and then is this is this a time to bring Alex Mendez back into the fold? Bells. I mean, I'm never going to say no to that. I'm, uh, I love the way he plays. I love some things about the way he plays, um, and he did get an assist recently on a corner kick uh, for a young Ajax, so he's back on the field. Um, Chris Durkin, Taylor Booth. Brent. Uh, Brandon Cervania started over the weekend uh, in Austria, so it, it, we're just we're, we just need three bodies, and we've got we have some to pick from, uh, unless unless we're totally opposed to just flying Testman over. If we don't bring Morales in or fly Testman over, whatever, um, we don't have anybody who really fits that deep lying midfield role in that second group. You know, without Adam, I mean, Adams is the only guy in this camp. It looks like the only guy in Europe who looks like he's he fits that role. He's about the only guy in the yeah. pool, but yes, but yes, point taken. Uh, you know, I don't know that. Chris, I don't know if I haven't seen a lot of Chris Durkin recently. I don't know if he's like the the linchpin of a pressing team. So you'd, you'd be bringing it. It would feel much more like a, a Jackson Ewell type uh, than a than an all out press pressing type. Yeah. All right, but that's where we're at. And so, as you've said before, it will be interesting <laughs> to see what what Berhalter does. So now let's talk about the the really fun one, which is striker. All right. So assuming Sergeant uh, is called in and allowed to join, and, and I think the report I've seen, which is you know full Twitter rumors, that uh, Bremen will allow him to play in the Austria game against Jamaica because it's a direct flight to Jamaica, uh, but he won't be allowed to even go to Belfast for the game against Northern Ireland. Okay. So he's starting against Jamaica. So. So yeah, so then, but then we we definitely know he won't be starting game two. Um, so who who's it going to be, and who else is going to camp? Well, I want it to be Daryl DK who starts. Um, you know, he wasn't he wasn't so good against uh, who who was it against that last that time where he had a cameo? Trinidad and Tobago in Jan- in well, I guess yeah, January. But oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 
he didn't look too sharp in that game, but um, he's looked sharp for Barnsley when he gets a chance, including that absolute galazzo the other day. Um, have we talked about that on the podcast yet? I don't think we have. What a goal! What a goal I, that was. <laughs> yes, it's a it's a very nice goal. I'm excited for that goal. <laughs> it's like a and it. It it like continues the question of whether or not ex- expected goals has any chance of measuring Daryl D. Yeah, it does not. It does not. It appears. I mean, <laughs> if you haven't seen it, which everybody listening to the podcast has seen it, I'm sure, but it's it's from about 22 yards away at a I don't know what like a 30 degree angle, very very poor angle, and he just absolutely. I think the the um the British announcer says he caves it into the top of the net. And um, just destroyed the ball and put it in the only spot where it could it could go, and the goalkeeper didn't even have a chance at it from a from a ridiculous angle. So that you know that got a lot of people's attention, got my attention. Um, <laughs> it got the attention of the EPL top six apparently. Yep. Jose Mourinho got on the horn immediately. <laughs> um, so yeah, I hope it's DK against Northern Ireland. But we're, now we got Jordan Sibachu is committed to the u.s now too playing for young boys in switzerland uh formerly in the in liga de in france not with young boys with a completely yeah. separate team young boys didn't didn't jump over. yeah so i think he's probably a, a replacement for nico joachini in this camp if there are limits on the number of players that Beraldo can bring in you, you know there he may be like well, let's just bring everybody let's bring them both <laughs> so since we're talking again about bringing everybody i just want to also point out this won't be a situation where you bring everybody and let them fight it out in camp like i know that's like a a, a myth we like to talk about happening like oh we'll just bring them all and whoever looks the best. like this camp is barely going to actually have any full speed soccer in it leading up to the games there just isn't uh time and again the restrictions of biology on the human body these guys coming off of their games on saturday and sunday are in like the recovery cycle and you know the then you are going to have the lead into Thursday's match, which is going to be like set pieces and, and walkthroughs. It's not going to be like oh well we'll get them in and whoever looks the best. It's going to, you can't see who looks the best during a recovery cycle. So it's you're going to have an idea of what you want to do, and then everyone else you're just bringing in for the meet and greet. Yeah. Now that's a good reminder. So it's going to be it's going to be a lot of chalkboard stuff and um sitting around with bottles of water and stuff like that, I suppose. I'm sure they'll have a couple of, of nice, like, 6v6 to goals on, like, you know, a 30-yard pitch where you don't have to cover any ground, and we'll get they'll get some good footage to show with everyone. But that's not where you're – that's not really where you're looking at, you know, who who's ahead. Who's ahead. You, you pretty much go in knowing who's ahead. And barring, like, somebody who just flat out is obviously better, which is possible, but they'd have to be, like, way, way ahead of everyone else. And I think that's – basically what Musa did in his limited camp time because he was a late arrival to that camp and still managed to show out in a way that they're like oh yeah this guy can be this guy can be on the field right yeah. away yeah i would be surprised if Sibachu does that in the same way you know assuming he the reports are correct and he will be in camp um the other striker is is Matthew Hoppy who has cooled off a little bit for Schalke but still has a Bundesliga hat trick to his name no small, no thing. small thing. I mean, you can go to your, you can go to your grave thinking about that. <laughs> and I would guess Joaquini won't be there. He's 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 struggled a little bit lately. Cayenne is in a bit of a tailspin. Um, Joaquini hasn't scored since January twentieth. And even even if you go beyond that, Joaquini has not been like a prolific goal scorer. Never, yeah. Pretty much at any at any point in his uh, French second division career. That's so. Right. Uh, I mean, he's, 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 he's another guy who's a, someone to, yeah, to keep track of and can, can fill into a spot when we have a, an odd camp. Uh, but it's, it's not like, I don't think he's, he's not bashing the door down by any means. So look, here, let me ask you the key question here. Has Josh Sargent turned the corner? <laughs> I mean, I don't think so. He's so what I guess what I need someone to do is tell me what he is doing differently now that he wasn't doing before. And you can't just say scoring goals because scoring goals are, are, are a consequence of doing a lot of different, a lot of things correctly. Uh, it, you know, I think most of us have been saying Sergeant does a lot of things 
uh, at an at an okay level, and he just continues to do those. And over a long enough time at a, in, on a on a team playing every minute, you're going to score a couple of goals if you're doing them at an okay yeah. level. I mean, I guess he, you know, he the movement in his goal a uh, couple weekends ago, even though it was a tap in, was kind of encouraging <laughs> to me. He kind of he kind of like he kind of fainted to the inside and then went back post faint. and. Yeah. Yeah. Which uh, you, you didn't see a lot of, always see that kind of hunger in his movement. Um, and then he was, he was really tidy. You know, he didn't score, but he helped set up a goal against Bayern Munich in a hope, you know, a hopeless affair for Werder Bremen. They did lose the game, but he was, he was really tidy. He coming back to the ball and laying it off. I think he was 24 of 28 passing, which for him is, that's not usually what it, the stats look like started some uh, some movements of attack that it would be a stretch to call them flowing but they were flowing for <laughs> you know another three quarters of a second before somebody gave the ball away so he did his part in keeping them yeah. flowing all right yeah all right well he'll then then he's got a decent shot at taking the spot from jesus ferreira there you go all right enough about josh Sargent. let's let's uh let's quickly talk about what we think the lineup should be what right. would you do? So what would you do I, against Jamaica? I think we. I, I would. I would like to see Stefan and goal Brooks and Richards paired up at center backs. I'd like to see Dest at right back and Robinson at left back because I still think Dest in his best position uh, with Robinson is totally acceptable. Uh, I want to see. I want to see Adams, McKenney, and Musa again because I think that's fun. Uh, I want to see Pulisic on the right wing. I want to see Sargent up top. And I really. I'm sorry, Pulisic on the left wing. And I really am not that bothered about who starts on the right wing. Whether it's Wea or Reyna, um, I mean, I'm, I'm probably going to say Wea because, as you as you know, I've really thought Wea is a fantastic player for the U.S. since he's basically been playing. After about two and a half games, I was like, "Oh, I'm I'm totally in on Tim Wea." So for me, I hope Wea, but not because I dislike Reyna. We just have good players now. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't dislike Reyna either. I just think mm-hmm. Wea is better. Okay. I think there's a gap between how good he is and how good everybody thinks he is. That could be the case, but there's yeah, that and that could just be a consequence of of a lot of a lot of uh I guess we'll say uh you know, we're rightfully excited about an 18-year-old playing at Borussia Dortmund. Uh it doesn't mean that he is at the same level of all of the best players who have ever played for Borussia Dortmund. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I can agree with that. So the so yeah, I would that's that would be fine with me. I'd also be fine with Dest, Dest at left back and um, Cannon at right back. I wouldn't mind that just because it'd be nice to see Cannon once again against like a pretty good team. I feel like we've been missing that for a while. We've we've seen him against some of the weaker opposition. So if if he had the game against Jamaica starters, like that'd be a good that'd be a really good test, and I'd be very curious to see how he handles it. All right, and then whatever whatever lineup we see against Jamaica, then you just kind of have to turn the whole thing over against Northern Ireland. There you go. We'll see you guys on Friday. We're going to talk about that uh, that World Cup, not World Cup, that Olympic qualifier, the all-important one. Yep, hopefully there's a Friday morning celebration. Yep. Okay, thanks everybody for listening. Talk to you soon.